This is RJ Carbone, and you're listening to BD4. Anthony for three. Bang! That one goes This down. one by Mattingly. Oh, hang on to the RJ Barrett does it again from downtown. He is just tearing the Orioles apart. It's good. It's good. Randall gets the bounce, and he ties the game. Houston ducks under. Got it. All right, what's happening everybody? I'm your host RJ Carbone. This is episode 327 of the podcast. Welcome to BD4 where there's no better way to get your Yankees and Knicks analysis. And we also do MMA now, too. We do Yankees every series, the Knicks every games, every game, and um, we do MMA on the weekends. Welcome to the show. If you are new here, be sure to subscribe to the podcast. We're on the many listening platforms and... um, you can also watch us on YouTube, and so subscribe to us on all that stuff. Follow me on social media. I'm on uh, Facebook at RJ Carbone, and I'm also on Instagram at Rob J Carbone. Now, the Knicks um, are a few days away from the second, not the second half, but the, the final quarter, rather, really, of the season. Um... So we're just going to go over what to expect going forward in this episode and, you know, do a little bit of a, our quarter three progress report. So how each Nick individually has been performing um, up to this point. And then we'll go over the team as a whole, Thibodeau and all that stuff, the front office. So it, it's a lot to cover, um, but I'm going to try to make this one brief. I want to say 30 to 45 minutes, the usual and um, that should be it, all right? But um, yeah, as I am recording, it is Monday, February 21st. As you are listening to this, it should be Tuesday, the 22nd, all right? So welcome to the show, and thank you for tuning in, man. Thank you. I appreciate you stopping by, taking the effort to, um, to listen to the show. So let's get to it. Let's head to our first break of the night. And I guess um, when we get back, we'll get right into the episode, all right? We'll start going over the progress report. We'll start with that. And then, uh, yeah, we'll get into everything from there. All right, so let's head to our first break. Stay with us. Be right back.
Hey guys, so I've noticed that only a small portion of you who watch BD4 on YouTube are actually subscribed. So if you do enjoy this podcast, and maybe you want to be notified when new episodes release, I'd consider subscribing and also hitting that notification bell. This way, we can help the channel grow, and you won't miss a single episode of BD4. Alright, let's get back to it. So, if you guys want to follow me on social media, be sure to do so right now. I'm on Facebook at RJ Carbone, and I'm also on Instagram at Rob J Carbone. Once again, if you want to find me on Facebook, that is RJ Carbone. Instagram at Rob J Carbone. All right, so welcome back to the show. You're listening to BD4, where there is no better way. Where there's no better way to get your Yankees and Knicks analysis. And we also do MMA now, too. Um, Yeah, so we're going to start this up. Uh, and again, we're just doing a little bit of a progress report tonight. And then we're going to talk about you know what to expect going forward, uh, what should happen versus what probably will happen going forward with this Knicks team are two completely different scenarios, right? So we'll get to that. Let's start it up. And uh, one more time, guys, if you're new here, be sure to subscribe on all the listening platforms. And if you want to watch us on YouTube, you can also do that and subscribe there. Share us on social media. If you want to follow me on social media, I am at RJ Carbone on Facebook and at Rob J Carbone on Instagram. All right. So now that that's out of the way. Let's get to it. All right. So I'm going to try to run through these progress reports without going too into detail. and Because I don't want to get too super. I mean, th- this whole episode is probably going to be somewhat repetitive because that's been the theme all year. Is um, The theme all year has been the same few things. So, you know, it's going to be repetitive to a certain extent. But I'll try to, you know, put it in the best way possible without being too boring. Um, We'll start with our starting point guard um, when he's out there. Kemba Walker, uh, I have to to give Kemba... I mean, I got to give this guy a D-. Listen, he's he's been a good player over the course of his career. But I I think I speak for most... um, you know, most knowledgeable fans when I say that Kemba is, is probably toast at this point. Um, you know, he's a quarter of himself between the knee issues, which have been nagging him all year. When is he going to be on the court? You know, if he's on the court, how many minutes can you play him? Um, you know, these scheduled off days he has to have on the back-to-backs. 
And then when he's on the court, he's not exactly their their best option at point guard. Um, first and foremost, it's the defense, which is probably he's probably the worst defensive player on the entire roster. Um, that says a lot this season. But yeah, I mean, defenses are constant. I'm sorry, offenses rather are constantly attacking him through screens. He's pretty slow on his rotations and closing out, and he's just too small. He's very undersized a lot of the time. His defense is a major issue. Um, and then on the other side of that, you know, the reason his defense is so magnified is because his offense is just way too sporadic. Those good stretches of offense that you get from Kemba are far and few in between. Therefore, when you put all that together this season, our starting point guard, Kemba Walker, I, I don't think it's crazy to give him a, a D-. minus. So that's where I am with Kemba. Um, now, we'll go to Alec Burks. This is kind of out of order because when I was taking notes, I hit a button and it kind of jumbled it all out of order. So my notes are going to be a bit out of order in terms of the players. It's not going to be starting lineup to the bench. It might be a bit up and down, but who cares? Um, we'll go Alec Burks because um, he is also the you know the fill-in point guard. Um, and that's another... So I gave him a C minus, but first off, I do want to say it's not all his fault. You know, I understand that Tibbs is forcing Alec Burks into a role that's not his quite often. This is a you're talking about a wing player who's often playing point guard, either filling in for Kemba or leading that second unit now at point guard with Derrick Rose still out. You know, and. He's also just playing way too many minutes, so you can't really blame him. You know, when the season is all said and done, there's a good chance that Burks hops over his last season minutes total, um, and that'll make it the second most minutes he's played in his entire eight-year career. Thanks, Tibbs. Um, So he's just not having that same effect this season either. He's not knocking down his shots as consistently. Um, especially from two. You know, he's under 40% from the field. Last two months, he's shooting 33% from the field. Um, but, you know, his finishing numbers are absolutely dreadful. This season at the rim, he's not shooting a good percentage, and um, that's been a problem. You know, especially when he gets his points a lot of the time, it comes through attacking the paint and trying to get to the line because a lot of the time his shot from the field is not falling. So he's often in uh, out of rhythm of the offense, even when he does score points. Um, and then he's not that great of a distributor on the ball. So, yeah, I, I think C minus. You know, it's been a lot of bad, some good in there with Alec Burks. Uh, and similar, we'll go with a C minus for Emmanuel quickly. It's been pretty brutal for IQ. You know. Um, Again, this season, the driving lanes have been pretty clogged for him, so he's not getting to go to that floater as efficiently. Uh, But also, a lot of it's on him. His three-point shot is misfiring. Uh, He's way too streaky from there, and a lot of it is the poor shot selection. Talking about taking rhythm, taking shots out of the rhythm of the offense. I mean, Emmanuel quickly is a prime example taking heat checks when he's cold out there, you know, those deep 40 foot elbow shots, um, gotta stop. 
and he needs to develop an actual mid-range game, like an actual mid-range jump shot, I think, and not just go to that runner every time he's in the in-between area. I think that'll help him become more efficient, you know, from the field and become more consistent on a day-to-day basis. Um, you know, I will say he's capable of playing good defense. He's a pretty good defender, but that a lot of that also depends on the matchup. You know, IQ is often undersized when he's playing down at the one, um, you know, because he's more of a combo. We don't exactly know yet which position he truly is, and that might be the case for the majority of his career. He might just be one of those guys who plays the one, plays the two, bounces back and forth. Um, I will say, as a playmaker, though, he has done better. You know, when he's at the one, he's passing a lot better. He's, you know, ever since Derrick Rose went down, I think he's averaging about four assists per game. That's That was since D. Rose went down. I think it was mid-December, like the 16th of December, I want to say. Um, so he's been doing better as a playmaker. You know, he's making better reads on the defense, and he's finding cutters, open shooters, and he's often hitting up Mitch and Obi on the roll as well. I mean, that's the one thing that keeps me from really lowering IQ's grade to a true D or anything, you know. Um, it's because his playmaking and his occasional, you know, offensive um, hot streaks this year have, have really made a positive impact. I still feel like whenever he takes the floor, the Knicks do good things. Uh, and especially when he's paired with Obi Toppin. Uh, but overall, though, you can't have a, a year where you're shooting 36.8% from the floor and you're only 42% on your two-point shots. And, you know, having a 33% three-point percentage is not good at all considering that's going to be your biggest strength. You know, so I think a C-minus is plenty fair for IQ. Some would say I'm being too uh, too nice on him. Um, Cam Reddish, I put N.A. I, I can't really agree. We can't really evaluate him, right? We haven't seen enough to get a true testament of how he's been. Um, you know, he was inactive when he first got here with the ankle injury. Then he picked up a number of DNP CDs. Um, then he had some minutes in garbage time, <laughs> you know. Now he's finally getting a shot, but only because of injuries, and he's still barely getting many minutes. So, yeah, I like what I see at times. He's got the ability to create his own shot and get to the line. Does a nice job attacking the lane. And he's got size. He's got some athleticism to push the pace and play defense. Um, jump shooter potential. You know, that Paul George physical tool set. He will force some things offensively. Um, defensively, he still does need some work with spacing and his positioning. But overall... Again, it's really hard to give him a true grade with with you know little to no playing time. So I I, I want to see more from Cam or more of Cam. Um, Obi Toppin, I, I went B minus there. I, I know he's not exactly been the same recently. He has struggled, but I I still think it's been a positive step up for Obi this year. He's producing now. Um, he just needs minutes. Yeah, he is a terrible shooter, um, and his defense hasn't really improved too much. It's still pretty bad, but he too is another player who makes a positive impact because of his offense. Um, I think his net rating is the best on the team. He's one of the few players who's consistently positive in plus-minus. 
but he sprints up and down the court. He cuts from that baseline very often. Uh, he, he rolls when he's in the middle. He does a nice job keeping the rock moving out of the short roll. And, you know, he likes getting fed those dump-offs um, out of the dunker spot. And, of course, his transition play and dunking in the open court sparks the Knicks every single time he checks in in the second and fourth quarter. You know, and so I think he's been a very, very solid player for the majority of the season. He's just not getting the opportunities. Um, and also cue the overused um, Obi Toppin slash the Knicks finally winning something joke because, uh, you know, he won the dunk contest the other night. So I'm sure that joke's been flying around the Internet. So original. Um, <laughs> Taj Gibson, I gave him a C plus. You know, listen, he's a solid vet. Um, but just at this age, 36 years old, I believe, very limited in what he can actually do. And he's just thrown out there way too often, you know. Other than his intangibles, you know, screening, uh, fighting for loose balls, and rebounds, and does a nice job defensively. You know, he's often tagging the roll man in pick and roll. Um, and his hedge coverage is pretty good, and he's, you know, overall he's a good help defender, and he'll provide you some occasional shooting. But there's just no reason at this point he should be, at the very least, getting 18 to 20 minutes a game. There's no reason for that. I'm sorry. And we'll get to that in the whole rotation thing once we get to the Knicks as a unit and start evaluating Thibodeau in the front office and everything. C-plus for no, uh, for Taj. Uh, Noel. I gave Noel an F. Who? You know, how much? It speaks for itself. Evan Fournier. Uh, he's come around lately. Listen, I, I gave him a C-plus overall. He's come around lately since Boston. Um, he's averaging 18 points. This is his last 20 games. It was his that big eruption against Boston. He's averaging 18 points on 46% from the field, 44 from three. But, you know, it's a bit too late, you know, for that to salvage what has been an otherwise disappointing season for a guy, you know, paid $73 million. Um, I think for, I think I speak for all when I say I was expecting his numbers lately to, to be what his season numbers should be. Right. And also his defense, of course, is a problem. Talk about Kemba, Fournier is right there. You know, the only thing he has going for him is his size. But his on-ball defense is an issue. He's constantly getting blown by. And I still just don't feel like he gels here. So a C-plus only because he's come around offensively in his last 20 games. R.J. Barrett, uh, obviously out right now thanks to Tom. Um B plus. I gotta give him a B plus. He's definitely been better and better. He's finally come around after that rocky start. You know, that three point shot's looking good. Uh, his transition play has been strong. He's getting those on the ball reps and he's doing a nice job there, making better reads and getting the offense into their sets. And he's also getting to the free throw line a lot. That's a, another positive. You know, the last 21 games, he's got there six times a game. He's got to start hitting those free throws now. Uh, but he's you know, he's 22 points, 6 rebounds, and 3 assists in those 21 games. Um, 43% from the field. And 37% on his 3-point shot. 
Excuse me. Um, you know, RJ's defense is still up and down. Um, uh, his mid-range needs to come around more consistently. He's got to start finishing a little better with that right hand. But overall, it's been a solid year for RJ Barrett. It's looking like he's finally made that leap after all. And he too um, is pushing for that max extension before next season. So we'll see what happens there. Quinton Grimes next on my list here. He's been a solid two-way wing, man. Um, I like his quick high release. He's, you know, always setting his feet before he squares up and shoots. Always ready to shoot. He's moving well off the ball. Um, and defensively, he's playing that hounding on-ball defense. The guy's a ball hawk. And uh, he'll miss some rotations here and there, sure. But overall, I think his help defense is also pretty strong. I think uh, Quentin Grimes is ca- very capable of being a solid rotational piece. Um, and maybe someday a starter, and not just filling in for RJ, but someday he could start on the wings next to Barrett. You know, I joke that he's who Frank could have been or was in the eyes of some, <laughs> but you know I'm serious about that sometimes too. So I, I give Quentin Grimes a, a B plus. I thought he's done a very good job when in there. And remember, these grades are not—they're all—they're all based off of the, that player's own expectation. Okay, so just because somebody, one person's grade is going to be higher than another player's grade, that doesn't, technically doesn't mean that he's having a better season. That means he's just playing well to his expectation, and the other guy's not. You know what I mean? If I explain that properly. So, uh, Randall, uh, I gave Julius a D. I mean, listen, I've said what I've said on this guy. We, we, we've talked about it all year, so I'll try to make this short on him. Um, He's he's just a huge reason why we're here, right? He's just not the same player this season. The leadership issues, uh, the drama, the constant drama. I mean, there's so many things this year now. You know, I, I don't even know if I can name them all off the top of my head, but I'll try, you know, slapping the, the laptop out of the video coordinator's hands. Um, just the body language, the whole thing with the thumbs down, skipping press conferences, isolating himself on the bench, not joining the team huddle, you know, turning his back to Obi when he was on the ground looking for a hand up. Shit like that. And, you know, on the court, he's not exactly making up for it. You know, he's his shot making has not been the same. The mid-range jumper is down significantly. Uh, the three-point jumper is down significantly. And he's not exactly attacking the rim. But he's settling way too much and it, until his last seven games, right? But again, we're paying Julius $120 million to do what he's been doing during these meaningless seven-game stretch for an entire season. So, some games he's not even aggressive. You know, he'll shoot when he's not supposed to, but he'll also pass when he's supposed to shoot. Playmaking wise, you know, it's not the same either. The decision making is just way too long out of those traps. Um, so he's still turning it over in the post, he's turning it over. The jump passes, the spin moves, 
uh, taking it up court. He's very slow. The point forward thing not working. Again, lately he has been pushing the pace, so I, I guess some credit there. But again, it's got to be consistent, and it's not been. Um, and defensively, the intensity is just taking multiple steps back. The hustle is just not the same. That's been the biggest thing for me is his defense. Last year, you could have called him an average to a slightly above average defensive player. You could have. But this year, he's been back to his 2019-20 Fizdale Randall um, self. Uh, the hustle's not the same. He's not getting back after a block or a no call, but instead he decides to put his hand up and, and complain to officials. Uh, his defensive rotations are crap. He isn't always making an effort to get out to his closeouts. <laughs> and I also have down here his fourth quarter play has, has been a problem. You know, he's just a bunch of um, poorly timed turnovers and missed free throws down the stretch. And a lot of the times he's, you know, missing those ISO shots. Going to him, you know, no particular action, just an ISO elbow action for Julius down the stretch and he just misses and it's constant and a lot of the times you know it's because he's got no more legs underneath him and he's clearly gassed out there so again we're going to touch on that when we talk about Thibodeau in a second um let's move on to some other guys uh but first we want to go to break real quick when we get back we'll talk about Mitchell Robinson and then some other guys as well to wrap up these progress reports stay with us So BD4 is on so many platforms to listen to. You can listen to us on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, SoundCloud. You can listen to us on Spotify. You can find us on our sponsor, Anchor, and many other listening platforms as well, wherever you get your podcasts. But we are also available to watch on YouTube. So if you want to watch us on YouTube, go subscribe there. But if you prefer to listen to us, again, many, many, many listening platforms. Just be sure to subscribe, download, give us a rating, a review, comment, share the podcast, and all that fun stuff. This is BD4, where there's no better way to get your Yankees and Knicks analysis. All right, folks. Now, if you are listening to BD4 on Apple Podcasts, be sure to give us a five-star rating and a review, if you so please. So once again, this is if you are listening to BD4 on Apple Podcasts, give us a five-star rating and review. Thank you. Robinson, let's get to it. I, I, I gave him a B plus, man. 
much like RJ, Mitch has come around since he's gotten his conditioning back. He uh, In his last 28 games, he's averaging 10 points and 10 rebounds. Just continuing to be so more, so much more aggressive. He's bringing excellent rim protection. He's a solid pick and roll defender. Offensively, he's constantly cleaning the glass and being super aggressive and hustling there. If you just watch these games, he's a dog on the glass. You know, three, two or three big bodies around him. He's just constantly leaping. And making that second effort, third effort for offensive rebounds. So he's got that going for him. He's a lob threat with freak athleticism. And a lot of that comes because he's a very strong role man in that screen and roll. Creates a lot of space that way. Um, I think the Knicks, again, should definitely try to re-sign this kid. But it's going to be hard. You know, this is a guy who's constantly switching agencies. You know, he's trying to get... A bang for his buck. He takes pride in his play. And if you follow him on social media, you know what I'm talking about. I'm already here in Chicago, Detroit. I heard Miami today. And that, that, that surprised me because he'd have to play behind Adebayo, right? You can't you can't, you can't can't expect them to play those two together. Uh, but again, I say pay him. Uh, but be careful. You know, again, I... We went over the whole contract thing in a few episodes, but um, I say offer him, what's the minimum, 55, 60? You know, do that for four years. I'll do that, but if he declines that, I don't know if I want to go much higher, you know. Just, you know, health, durability, conditioning, once he starts playing more than 30 minutes, and um, I don't know that this is legitimate yet, this stretch. You know, I... I hope that he can put together a full 10 and 10 season next year. But unfortunately, we ran out of time for that. So I would pay him. I would just be careful. I think he deserves to be paid. But the the price is going to depend for me. You know, I don't want to go too high. Um, So that's it. I actually think we covered everybody there. <laughs> Mitch was actually the last one. Wow, we, we breezed, breezed through that shit. Let me just make sure. Talked Kemba, Burks, IQ, Cam, Obi, Taj, Noel, RJ Barrett, Quentin Grimes, Julius Randle, Mitchell Robinson. Did I miss anybody? No, right? Yeah, we're good. <laughs> so, the Knicks as a team. Um, listen, if you don't like people shooting it straight, I suggest you leave now because I'm going to give it to you. I gave them an F. And remember, this is based off of their own expectation. They won 41 games last season, 10 above 500. They were the number four seed. They acquired two guys in the offseason that they thought would help them. And now you're looking at a team who's going to miss the playoffs. And. But, um, so yeah, I gave them an F. And I don't really think that's harsh. It takes a lot for me to give Fs, just like it takes a lot for me to give out As. But, I mean, what do you expect? We're losing, and we're losing with veterans. And we're going to get into all of this. 
But before we start, I want to get to this. I want to get uh, this guy's name out there for, for, for the miracle that anybody is actually listening to this podcast. Um, and, and my dude, if I, if I pronounce your name incorrectly, I am so sorry. Um, but Tom Rend, it's, it's Tom R E N D E. So I, I hope I pronounced it correctly. Tom Rend of Forbes. He's a contributor for Forbes. He writes for them. And I, I came across his article, which he published earlier today. Again, as I'm talking to you, it is February 21st. He wrote an article today on Forbes, and I want you to check it out. It's called, Which Knicks Reserve Should Play More? Top in McBride or Reddish? Check that out. It's on Forbes.com. But Tom was spot on, and I actually reached out to him on Twitter after that. And I, I created, a, I deleted my Twitter, but I created one after I saw that article because I just wanted to reach out to him, tell him how great of an article I thought it was. And fortunately, he responded. Um, but basically, it reiterates everything we've all been asking all season long, but much more organized and better than I can put it. So go check that out. Tom Rend wrote a little piece on the Knicks, um, which Knicks reserve should play more, Toppin, McBride, or Reddish. It's on Forbes.com, so go check that out. Um, and he's not you know, promoting me to, to say this or some shit. Um, but, but yeah, Tibbs is, is not doing it this year. He says in his last press conference before the All-Star break, everything is on the table. And then he goes, not even a couple of seconds later, he says, I'm paraphrasing, I'm not just going to give minutes to the youth. You earn what you get, and it's based by merit. <laughs> Garbage like that. And Meanwhile, he's saying that, and he ain't exactly practicing what he preaches, right? We've talked about this Um you got Burks in his last 21 games shooting 32%. He's averaging more fouls than field goals made. But he's still getting 27 minutes a night during that span. Earn your minutes. On January 6th against Boston, Burks shot 1 for 10, but he still received 37 minutes. Meanwhile, since Kemba, the scapegoat. Remember everybody, this is actually one of the few things I agree with Tibbs on. Kemba, the scapegoat. When he came back into the rotation, since he's come back into the rotation, um, after that adorable you know, three-game stretch he had where he had Jamal Crawford all emotional on Twitter, and everyone was like, oh, see, he's not a scapegoat. Kemba's good. Just want to keep that in everybody's mind. I was on board with Tibbs when he benched him the first time. While everybody was against it. And now everybody wants to act like Kemba's bad again. And he is. But they weren't on that train to begin with, man. Some of you just hop on shit. It was way more than justified benching him. He's been bad. Uh, anyway, so since he's came back into the rotation, after those three games... He's 34% from the field, 27% from three, eight points per game. That's in 16 games since his little hot stretch upon return to the rotation. And he's still averaging 24 minutes during that span. Meanwhile, Taj Gibson, 
averaging 3.9 points and 4.5 rebounds on the season in the modern NBA. He gets to go out there 20 minutes a night, getting as many as 25 and 26 in two of his last three games. But guys like Cam Reddish, the kid you traded a first-rounder for, is picking up DNPs and averaging 12 minutes per game when he does play. Meanwhile, Deuce McBride. I won't even mention his G League success because, you know, people get triggered by that. But he has not seen the floor at all since Derrick Rose went down. I think he had that brief five-game stretch at the end of December entering January where he was getting semi-decent burn. But since then, the guy has not been seen. Um, Obi Toppin. You know, actually one of the few Knicks who's been consistently positive this year in plus-minus, like I said. He's rotting on the pine for at least 30 of the 45 minutes a night. (laughs) And he's out here preaching about earn your minutes. Right, right, right. Okay, got you. I mean, we go into the break embarrassing ourselves, even to our standards. Blowing a 23-point lead versus Portland. Losing to a tanking OKC team in overtime. Blowing a 28-point lead to the New Jersey Nets, who were without all of their superstars. And Tibbs is still sitting here almost 75% of the way through talking in his press conferences about having to earn your spots. Okay. And now our defense has gone from bad to horrendous. I mean, our offense has finally been you know playing with some pace. Lately, you know, Randall's out here. Like I said, he's finally putting together a few good games. He's dropping 30 a night for the past seven. But during that span, the Knicks are, I believe, one and six. Um, And that is defense and that is coaching. We allow 132 to Denver, 112 to Portland, 127 to OKC, who are last in offense, 111. To the Nets, who, again, were without any of their star players. And with that, zero adjustments being made. The same old lineup combinations. And remember, folks, to me, at least to me, this is not about the draft lottery. This isn't about tanking. I think tanking, you know, trying to lose and making it only about the draft pick, that's a toxic mentality. I have said that a number of times. But when you make the focus about player development, about maximizing your assets, and about showcasing and evaluating your talent, that makes complete sense to do. You know, so I understand that coaches aren't just going to go out there and try to lose games. Okay, so try and win, right? But the Knicks are 25 and 34. They're about to get a lot worse considering the schedule coming up. So shake it up. Put the young guys out there and try winning that way. And guess what? If that winning doesn't happen, which it won't, at least you're getting answers. You're getting somewhere. Winning. We wouldn't even be mentioning this idea of winning and and going for it if it wasn't for Silver and his ridiculous idea to to allow two-thirds of the league to make the playoffs. I mean, we are in a participation trophy era, folks. We're, we did it with baseball a couple years ago with the playoff fucking format, and now we're doing it with basketball. It's sick. It rewards mediocrity. Another day. Um, but yeah, we, we just got to face the music. Just face the music. Because if we are being realistic here, it's one of two things. 
you're either going to throw a rotation out there that neither helps the now or the later, or you're going to throw a rotation out there that may not help the now, but could help the later. So which, which do you want? Which do you prefer? The former or the latter? You know, the, 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 the ceiling and floor for Tibbs' philosophy with this roster is... So, so what he's doing now, the, the worst that could happen, the floor with what Tibbs is doing right now, is we continue to lose games at a high rate, and we do it with veterans on the floor who will not be here in a year or two. That's the floor, and that's what we're getting right now. The best we can get with what he's doing, the ceiling in this Thibodeau philosophy right now, is we miraculously get to the playoffs, we miraculously win both play-ins, and we get washed in the first round. And even that's being a bit optimistic. So that's your best chance, that's your best ceiling right there. That's the upside of what Tibbs is doing. Now, if you look at the philosophy of, of shifting your focus towards player development, right, it's much more optimistic. The ceiling or the floor for it is the worst that could happen if you just play the kids the rest of the year. You play them, you keep losing games, and you're getting answers. Good or bad, you're getting answers on certain prospects. That's the very worst that can happen here. The best that could happen, you play the kids, maybe you win a few more games, or maybe you lose enough to get into the lottery, and they show that they are NBA caliber. They show that they have an upside. So you tell me, right? But but that latter approach, it ain't happening. We all know it. This is who Thibodeau is at his core as a coach. You know, Friday night, we're going to see it. He's going to be riding this thing out until the Knicks are mathematically eliminated. You know, Derrick Rose comes back. RJ gets back. Now, you know, this is the, the narrative we're going to arrive with, right? And as much as this is on Thibodeau, the front office should not shed any of this. They, they, they deserve a lot of this blame, too. They brought Thibodeau guys like Evan Fournier and Kemba Walker, knowing he's a defensive-minded coach. And you still have Worldwide West pointing fingers, but he's a part of the group that gave him this junk to work with. Tibbs thought he had a win-nail roster to work with, right? That did not work. The players started underachieving and playing bad. But where it does fall on him is refusing to get it to work. You know, we are, again... 75% of the way through, just about. And he's still shown no signs of attempting to make adjustments. And by the time he does pivot, if he ever will, it's going to be completely meaningless because the Knicks are going to be out of the playoffs. They're going to be in that 8-14 to 14 range in the draft lottery, which isn't great with our scouting. And the kids will be getting, getting minutes in, in a bullshit sample size at the end of the year. So it's basically a wasted season. So while it's not all on him, and some of it's on the front office, and some of it's on the players for losing these games, once you realize the fact that this Knicks team has to go back to the drawing board and refocus on player development, Tibbs isn't that guy to do it. This is this is not where he is fit. Not that kind of coach. He's 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 a good, solid NBA coach, but he's a a square peg in a round hole, right? So sure, he'll, he'll probably finish out the season here, I believe, and, and you can say he's earned that right through, you know, his NBA pedigree, and he had a great season for us last year. But in the off season, I do think they should make the switch, get younger, and have Johnny Bryant take the reins from there. You know, I, I don't want to do it now, and I understand why not. You know, you don't want to throw him in the middle of a of a shitstorm. 
You know, if we were to do it right now, you're throwing them in the middle of a fire. I mean, we've got Miami coming up. We've got Philly twice in a home-and-home. We've got Phoenix. And all these these are all on national TV. All these national TV games, a bunch of road games until March 16th. So, okay, fine. You don't have to do it now. You don't want the media attention, the noise, the publicity. I get that. But long-term thinking, if we're going back into rebuild mode next season with this roster, and we should, because we've got no chance at winning, Tibbs can't be the guy to work with that group. Not that kind of coach. So, So the front office and him have to at least be on the same page from now until the summer. And if he does stay around somehow, if he does make it, and he plays out his contract here, or at least next season... Then, then I, I, this front office has to sign as little veteran players as possible, um, or or the ones that they do sign should be good and productive, you know. But you have to at some point shift your focus to to the prospects on this roster. These are guys you're drafting, and these are guys you're trading draft picks for, and you're still not properly developing them outside of RJ and Mitch. You know, I mean, I mean, it's insane. The disconnect right now between the front office and Thibodeau, it's insane. You're hearing the Knicks are going to move their vets at the deadline. You're hearing the Knicks, you know, they trade for Cam. Tibbs didn't want Cam. Cam's going to be traded now. So you buy on him, you deplete his value, and then you hope another team wants him after that. It just makes no sense. West pointing fingers at Tibbs. Leon Rose hires this kid, this guy Rosas around that same time. It's nuts. All this stuff I'm telling you is right in front of our faces that they have yet a clue. They are they are on a completely different page. It, it's like when I, a couple of years ago, I had a college course. I bought the same textbook as everybody else, but it was a different edition, right? <laughs> You've done that before. That's what the Knicks front office in Thibodeau, that's what they're in right now. They're in a situation like that. You know, all year long, all I've been asking for was the balance, right? Just a couple of weeks, I wasn't even saying full-on youth. I just wanted the balance, right? I just wanted a bit more from the youth. You got teams out there like OKC and the Pistons tanking hard all season long, but Knicks fans are crazy for wanting some youth in, in the final portion of the season where they're 25 and 34 to get worse. And the idea... Listen, I'm not one of those guys who thinks every prospect we have is going to be a superstar, right? That's a joke. We overrate them sometimes. Some Knicks fans, of course, are like that. But most of us, I would like to believe, and I think so, I think it's a reasonable statement to say that most of us Knicks fans just want some goddamn evaluation. We just want development. We just want to know what we're working with here. You know, if anything, it's the flip. It's the 2% of the morons advocating for these boomers to play for some reason are the ones who think they're all superstars. So, I, I've said my piece. I gave him an F and that's why. Alright. It's all on the front office. It's it's um, the front office, Tibbs, the players. It, it's They all share a lot of blame. And um, I just don't... I don't know that this team is... I do know that this team is not in a good sh- uh, spot to win, so it's it's we're wasting time. If there's there's a purposeless direction here when you're losing with veterans. If you're gonna lose, at least do it with guys who are going to be here long term, or guys that might get you a return if you play them and they showcase themselves to have some value. 
that's all I have. We're going to head to our final break, get back, and then we'll finish this up with the NYY, NYK, MMA question of the day. Stay with us. Hey guys, I hope you're enjoying this episode. But first, I also want to let you know I have another blog. The blog I'm writing for is on ultimatesportsnetworks.com titled The Bomber Bocker Blog. If you want to go subscribe to this blog, you should do so using my promo code 6A2841ERJC. Using that, you'd get a discount $7.99 a month to get the best Knicks and Yankees opinionated content around. Once again, guys, the Bomber Bocker blog on ultimatesportsnetworks.com using promo code 6A2841ERJC, $7.99 a month. A custom wall tapestry is a surefire way to uplift any room's aesthetics with a personal touch. This 100% polyester wall tapestry comes with hemmed edges for extra durability while its mildew and water resistant properties ensure years worth of decorating bliss. The advanced tapestry printing techniques guarantee crisp detail even for the craziest of designs in any of the multiple size choices. You can select a size of 26 by 36 inches, 51 by 60, 68 by 80, and 88 by 104. These wall tapestries usually ship in 7 to 10 business days, and the price ranges from $24.99 to $69.99, all dependent on the size you select. The Bomber Bocker blog wall tapestries come in orange, gray, and black. But most importantly, be sure when purchasing a wall tapestry for the Bomber Bocker blog that you use promo code 6A2 841-ERJC 6A2-841-ERJC Just go to ultimatesportsnetworks.com and click on the Shop MVP tab searching the Bomber Bocker blog and there you have it. Did, uh, did anybody see the Daytona this weekend? Was I the only one who watched Daytona? Yeah, Daytona 500, man. He was the... Uh, I don't even, the kid who won, I never even heard of. I used to watch this thing way back in the day. Dale Jarrett, Jimmy Johnson, uh, Tony Stewart, Martin... Uh, not Truex. Something Martin or Martin something. He drove the Pfizer car, number six. Um... <laughs> Gosh. Casey Kane, Matt Kenseth. But um I'm trying to get back into it. It's fun. And I had some money on Chase Elliott placing top three. Did not happen. And Kyle Bush winning it. Which man, it was looking promising before the first wreck. Then he kinda made a run back at it at the end. But he, I think he landed in like just in the top ten or 
something. There's another wreck later at the end of the, the race. But it was fun. It was a really fun race. I'm into that shit. I know some people poke, poke fun in NASCAR, but I'm into it. All right, let's get to it. Let's get to the NYY, NYK, MMA question of the day, and we'll wrap it up after that. All right, so in this episode, episode 327, our NYY, NYK MMA question of the day. I want you to name the three head coaches with the worst win percentage in Knicks history. All right, straight into the point. Name the three head coaches with the worst win percentage in Knicks history. Now, you don't have to name them in order, okay? So whichever order you please. And if you want, I'll give you a bit of a hint. All right. Um, Your hint will be, let's see. What can I say as a hint? Okay. Um, Your hint. Each of these three coaches... Have coached in the three in the two thousands. Three thousands, yeah. So so these three coaches range from two thousand to present day. All right. So they are not coaches from the nineties, eighties, seventies, sixties, fifties, or forties. All right. So one last time, name the three head coaches with the worst win percentage in Knicks history. And your hint: they all range from the year two thousand up until present day. All right. So let me know the answer, whether that be on Facebook or Instagram. You can comment the answer once I publish, you know, one of the little promo clips to this episode on my social media, or you can just DM me the answer. And if you get it correct, I will give you a shout out in episode three twenty eight. If you don't guess, I'm not going to tell you the answer. All right. So. Make an attempt. If you make an attempt, and even if you're wrong, I'll let you know the answer. All right, guys. Thank you for tuning in. I'm your host, RJ Carbone. This is episode 327 of BD4, where there's no better way to get your Yankees and Knicks analysis. And we also do MMA now, too. (coughs) Fuck. Uh, Yankees every series. Knicks every game. And MMA on the weekends. UFC fight night coming up this Saturday it's going to be a good one. I, You know, if Benil Daryush didn't get hurt, it would have been epic. But I'm still excited to see Islam Makashev fight Bobby Green. You know, you never know what could happen. But, you know, the odds are a little, you know, lopsided as opposed to the one against Daryush, their initial fight, uh, which would have been a good payday either way. But, um, yeah, looking forward to that. We'll, we'll do some recapping of that for sure. If we have time, we'll do a preview of it. Maybe we'll do one next episode. We'll see. But thank you for tuning in. I appreciate the support. Again, if you have not yet followed this podcast, be sure to subscribe to it, download it. We're on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, SoundCloud, Google Podcasts. You can Uh, Watch us on YouTube and subscribe there. Comment. Share this on social media with your friends. All right? 
I'm on Facebook at RJ Carbone, and I'm on Instagram at Rob J Carbone. Guys, that's it. Thanks for tuning in. I'll catch you in the next one. Ciao. This podcast is brought to you by Anchor. It's the best way to make a podcast. Download the Anchor app or go to anchor.fm.